Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather again and to feed on your holy word. This morning, we subject this whole temple. The scripture says that our body is the temple of the living God. And we know this temple is made up of three parts. The spirit, which is the innermost part of the temple. The soul, and then the body. Father, we subject every part of this temple to you. Because it belongs to you. You who created us in your own image. You who put your spirit in us. You have anointed us. Put your spirit in our hearts. As a deposit. Guaranteed what is to come. We come before you. The assembly of the children of the living God. The scripture says, For we have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, the assembly of innumerable, of countless number of angels who sing the praises to your name, O God, the spirit of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, the Lamb of God, who took away the sin of the world, and to you, O God, the Father of all spirits, we subject ourselves to your authority, the authority of the Holy Spirit, who is here with us and in us, that, Lord, you bring us into the light of your word. Let the anointing of the word saturate us, O God, and set us free from every bondage of darkness. Renew our minds, refresh our spirit, and quicken our bodies, O God, our mortal bodies. Let the life of Christ, oh, be revealed unto us. And help us to walk in the fullness of the glory that comes with your word. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That we will not leave this platform the same way we came in. But by the anointing of your word, we will go out to walk in the fullness of your glory. Because of your mercy. Because of your grace. Oh, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Oh, refresh us. I present everyone in the sound of my voice to you, O God. I cannot teach unless you teach them. O Holy Spirit of God, let the word, let the word find its way into your heart. Let the word find its way into your heart and provide a soil that will nourish that word and cause it to germinate, form a plant and bear fruit to the praise of your glory. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Master Teacher, Take absolute control of this meeting and speak to us that our lives are transformed, that we will never be the same, but live to declare your goodness, live to declare your good works. We thank you for the opportunity once more. Be glorified in this place, be exalted above all. Great mighty Holy Spirit, take absolute control of these lips and speak your word to your people in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Father, that you have heard us. We thank you that you have enlightened us. We thank you that you have opened our understanding to the scriptures. We thank you that the glory of the risen Christ has been revealed this morning. We thank you that your anointing is in this place. We thank you that chains have been broken. Any seeds of darkness have been destroyed by the power of your word, by the power of your anointing. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Be glorified. Be exalted above all. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Welcome once more 
to the presence of God. As we all know, uh, we meet every Saturday morning to feed on the Word of God so that we can come into knowledge of Him and walk in the light of what He has made available to us. So we've started a new journey on the theme laying the foundation of your life or laying the foundation for your life. God's blueprint for building a spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ Jesus. God's blueprint for building a spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ. And so I'm excited uh, to, uh, for us to continue this journey. Uh, it's, 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 I call it a marathon because um, this, is, this word is re- really packed. And, and I believe that it will bless your life. And so uh, just to do a little uh, background uh, for us, for, for everyone to understand where we were um, and, and where we're headed um, um, today. So for our past three meetings, um, we have been discussing kind of the introduction to the theme, which is laying the foundation for your life, God's blueprint for building a spirit field and fruitful life in Christ. So we're still on the introduction. And the introduction is it's very important because we have to understand certain basic principles concerning uh, certain things that allow us to be able to lay a solid foundation for our lives. And what we mean by a solid foundation for our lives is everything that pertains to your life. Everything that pertains to your life. And so you can think of every aspect of your life. Anything that affects your spirit, anything that affects your soul realm, which is your mental capacity, and anything that affects your body. This, these are the components of a person. And you leverage all these parts of you to do life. And so what, whatever we're studying is going to quicken your mortal body, which is the, the flesh. It is going to quicken, which is your soul realm, and is also going to quicken your spirit. Hallelujah. And so this is, this is how powerful what we're studying is, because what we're studying is the Word of God. And the Bible says that the Word of God is sharper than a double-edged sword. It is able to pierce, dividing spirit and soul, even to dividing joints and marrow, which means the Word works on all levels of a person. We're made up of three things. The Apostle Paul writing to the church says, I pray to God that your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Which means we're made up of these three components. According to scripture, you have a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Um, Your spirit is the inner person. You know, and and a practical example that I always uh, tell people is have you had to make a decision in life or at some point in your life where um, you have sought knowledge in, in you know for, from any other source that you, you, you had access to? You have looked at the facts, you have done your research, and then you wanted to make that decision, kind of an informed decision on a particular thing. But there's something within you that seemed to contradict the choice that you are about to make. That part of you, people call it gut feeling. Other people call it 
conscience. The conscience actually is the voice of the human spirit. That part of you is your spirit. That part of you which seems to know more than human knowledge. That seems to know more that your mind is your spirit. You see, when the spirit is in full manifestation, sometimes people have the feeling it's like they're they're in a person. And so the Bible says in uh, Proverbs 20, verse 27, that the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord or the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inmost part of the belly. You see, when you're full of the spirit of God, or when your spirit is stirred up, it it, it stems, it's within. So it affects all the inner parts of you. So that's your human spirit. And another example is love. When you love somebody, that kind of inner, I'm not talking about lust, which is feelings, but I'm talking about the inner aspect of you, which seem to, to be attracted to something, seems to like something, but then your mind will tell you something else. So that inner part of you is your spirit. You see, um, so we have to understand that that is the core of a person. That's where life stems from. The human spirit is where life stems from. And so Proverbs 18, the verse 14 says that the spirit or the human spirit can endure in sickness, but a crushed spirit who can bear. And we use these terms interchangeably, which is the heart, the human heart, and the human spirit. And when we're talking about the human heart, we're not talking about the physical organ, which is the heart. We're talking about that core, the inner, inner person, the, the, the conscience, the, 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 what people call gut feeling. That's, that's your spirit. And that's what we're talking about. And so life stems from there. And then from your spirit, the outer part, the next outer part is your soul. Your soul realm is where your human intellect lives. That's where you reason. That's where your feelings are. So anything that pertains to your feelings, anything that pertains to how you think, all lives at the soul realm. So your mental realm, your thinking lives at the soul realm. And then you come to the outer physical body. The outer physical body, which is able to, that you're able to touch, that is your body. So these are the three components of you. So life, we leverage all these aspects of us or components of us to live the human life. We leverage our body, we leverage our our soul, and we leverage our spirit to live the full natural life. But the interesting thing is the word of God is able to work on all levels. All the levels of the human uh, of the components of a person. The word of God affects your, your body. The word of God affects your soul. And the word of God affects your spirit. But where the word of God should be, that, that really becomes beneficial to you, is your spirit. This is why the scripture says it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Believe. Believing something dwells in the heart. Whatever a person believes dwells in your heart. It dwells in your spirit. And so it is very important what we believe. It is very, very important that we're cautious of whatever we allow in our heart because life stems 
from the heart. And so the scripture says, and what I mean by heart is your spirit. So you hear me use those words or terms interchangeably, your heart and your spirit. What I mean by the heart is the human spirit. And so the scripture says, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it flows the issues of life. The reason why we have to guard our heart very well is because life stems from the human uh, heart or the human spirit. And so I said this for you to understand that whatever we're going to study will affect every part of you. Once you can get the revelation of scripture, you are going to see how you can leverage the word of God. What we're going to study to live in the fullness of life, the human life here on earth and to be fruitful and multiply. And so our goal is that this, these principles that we're going to study would help us to live a spirit field. And we put a spirit field because life stems from your spirit, a spirit field and fruitful life in Christ. A spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ. So the topic is laying the foundation for your life. God's blueprint for building a spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ. Hallelujah. And so we've tackled a, a few things uh, from our previous uh, sessions. And we're going to pick it up from there. But uh, because of the break that we had, um, I think two weeks break, we're going to, I'm going to give kind of a, a brief summary of what we've discussed so far. So I'm going to move a little faster than usual, and then we will get to the point where we pick up, uh, where we end it, and then we pick it up from there. And so I want to give you some theme scriptures that we're going to use. The first one is Genesis 1, the verse 1 to 4, and the verse 26. Then we're also going to look at Romans 12, the verse 1 and 2. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, the verse 1 to 5, 1 Kings 5, 15 to 17, and 1 Kings 6, 1 to 13, and then 14 to the verse 38. And then we're going to look at Hebrews 2, 12 to 16, 2 Peter 1, the verse, 2 Peter 1, uh, the verse 1 to 10, 2 Peter 3. Second Peter um, 3, the verse 1 to 10. And then I think we're also going to look at maybe Second Peter 1, um, um, the verse 1 to 10. Um, but we, we, we uh, will clarify that when we get there. And we're going to look at John 1, the verse 1 to 5 and 14 to 15. And we're also going to examine the book of Revelations, chapter 12, the verse 7 to 12. So these are not the only scriptures that we're going to look at. We'll reference other scriptures, but these are the scriptures that will be highlighted more often uh, as we, we continue in this series. And so we had, um, I, I mentioned this uh, for, from our previous sessions, but I'll highlight it again. In order for anything to be built for longevity, it requires a good foundation. You cannot do anything here on earth without a good foundation. Nothing will be fruitful. And, and, and here you're, you're going to see that we're going to use the term fruitfulness. Um, the word uses success. Not that success is bad. When you are fruitful, what, what the scripture gives us, we want, to be, we want to be very scriptural. What the word of God gives us is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness, when you're fruitful, the world or people will see you as successful. 
So we see success as a component of fruitfulness, but fruitfulness is is the big is the big fish is the is is the fullness of what what how God wants us to live here on earth. And so we want to use those terms as Scripture has given us. And so we're saying what we're saying is that in order for anything to be built for longevity, it requires a good foundation. It requires a good foundation. And what we're going to study is that God has laid out some blueprints that we're going to study in this in these teachings for so that we may follow these things. This blueprint is been laid out in his word. And if we follow these blueprints, we will be able to fulfill his plan for our lives. And that his will, his plan is his will for our lives. And his will for us, as we know from uh, Romans 12, is that his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Hallelujah. The will of God for every person on the surface of this planet is good, pleasing, and perfect. But you cannot come into the fullness of the will of God without these principles that we're going to study. And so I want you to understand that what we're going to study would allow you to move in the fullness of the perfect will of God for your life. And that's what we're more interested in. When you move into the fullness of God's perfect will for your life, you will be fruitful. You will be fruitful. And what we want is fruitfulness. And that fruitfulness is not limited to one aspect of your life. Fruitfulness in every area of your life. All aspects of your life. Finances, marriage, children, everything that pertains to life. Why are we confident that by studying the word of God, we'll be able to come into knowledge of these things? Because scripture says in 2 Peter 1 verse 3, that God's divine power has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. This is why we have the confidence that we, will, we are going to be aligned with the perfect will of God for our lives with these teachings, with this, the studying of the scriptures. Why? Because 2 Peter 1 verse 3, God's divine power has given to us everything that pertains to life. And godliness. So everything concerning your life, you know, you name it, marriage, finances, health, everything that pertains to your life, God has given us these things. But you cannot walk in the light of it unless you have come to the principles. You have understood the principles God in these things because God is a God of order. So I want us to read that scripture briefly. Before we move on, because this is all foundational stuff. We're still on the introduction to laying the foundation for your life. God's blueprint for building a spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. Second Peter. Second Peter. One, the verse three. He says. His divine power. His divine power. He starts off the verse two. Let me. I, I like to give context when I'm when I'm reading scripture so that we you can understand the thought pattern of of the spirit of God. He says, the verse two. He says, 
Now, let me start from the verse one so we can get this. He says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. So this is the spirit of God speaking through the apostle Peter to the church. Listen, he says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. To those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. So this gives you the context to the audience that Peter is addressing. This word is not for the people in the world. This world, this word is for believers. People who have believed in Christ Jesus. <laughs> because if you have not believed in Christ Jesus, this word does not apply to you. You cannot receive the benefit of this word. Hallelujah. And so he says, this letter, this inspiration, this word of inspiration, this word of revelation is to those, the righteous, those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Now in the verse 2, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Hallelujah. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we, we, I don't want to digress, but this is a side thought that, 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 that is very important for us to understand. What he's saying is that there can be an abundance of grace, an abundance of peace in your life. But you can only receive that abundance of the grace of God and the peace of God through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. This should tell you that in order for any grace, the Bible says to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. But there is more grace. How do we know that? Because the Lord told Nathaniel in the book of John, John 1 from the verse 50 going, he said, that you will see greater things than this. That you will see heaven open and angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of God. Why? Because the knowledge of God is limitless. So the Apostle Paul says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. Glory to God. So no single person can come into the fullness of the knowledge of God. But we can grow in it. We can grow according to the measure of the grace of God given us. And what the scripture is saying is that to each one is that this grace can increase. Oh, I don't know about you, but I want the grace of God on my life to increase. Why? Because in Christ, we have access to two things. We've, we've, we've spoken about this in times past. The Bible says, out of the fullness of Christ, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. What grace? Which was already given. He's talking about the law. He said, for the law was given through Moses. This is in John 1, verse 13, 14, and 15. He said, but the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So the law came by grace. So they had a certain grace. But in Christ, there is more grace. We do not only receive grace, but the truth. And once you, you come into, once you study scripture, we've stud, we studied in times about what is this truth. This truth is what Jesus speaks about in John 17, the verse 17. He said, Father, truly for them I sanctify myself. Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. So in Christ Jesus, 
you have grace. You have access to the grace of God. The grace of God is made available to you. And you also have access to the truth. But that truth there is the word of God. This is why the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of truth. Why? Because he brings us into the truth of God's word. So you read John 16, the scripture says that he said, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will bring you into all the truth. He will remind you of everything that I've taught you. He will make known to you what is yet to come. Glory to God. Because the word of God brings to light what is to come. This is why we're seeing the manifestation of scripture right before our very eyes in these last days. Because the word is the truth. So that word there, which is the truth of God, which is the truth that God has made available to us, is able to tell us what was before, what is now, and what is to come. Because God is the same yesterday and today and forevermore. Hallelujah. And so if God is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, it means that when you come into knowledge of Christ, you can understand things of the past. You can also understand things now. And you can also understand things to come. So I want you to understand this is why I am so excited about what we're studying. This is why I'm also I'm so excited about the word of God. Anytime I pick the word of God, I'm excited. Why? Because I know that I am feeding my spirit to know what was. If there was anything in the past that I did not understand, the spirit of God will bring the light of it to me. Then and that also brings me to understanding of what is going on now. If you do not understand what is happening in your life now, then I suggest that you get the word of God because it will bring you to the light of what is happening now so that you don't walk in ignorance. Then the word is also able to make known to you what is to come so that you prepare. So actually, believers have, a, have an advantage in life. So we're, we're just, you know, laying some building blocks to where we're going, laying the foundation of your life. God's blueprint for building a spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ Jesus. The Lord gave me this word a while ago, but there's more revelation of scripture that the spirit of God keeps bringing to me. So that's where we're, we, 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 we're discussing these things. That's why we, we lay out these foundations. Hallelujah. And so what he's saying is that grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God. As you gain more knowledge of God, the grace of God and the peace of God increases. How? Because when I read scripture, I ask the Holy Spirit questions. How do these things happen? This means we understand the grace. That grace has established everything for the believer. If you are the son of my voice and you've given your life to Christ, you have access to the things that God has established for your life to be fruitful and multiply here on earth. That is established by the grace of God. But the grace in itself... And I want you to pay attention to this. The grace in itself will not cause anything to manifest for you in the natural. This is why you can have people born again and still their lives are miserable. Because things do not fall on you automatically. The things that the grace of God has established are established in the spirit. I want you to understand that. Because the things of God are spiritual. God is spirit. So when we read in Ephesians 1, the scripture says, 
Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The blessings of God are spiritual. But the life we live, we live this life in the natural. The things we need, we need them in the natural. You see? So the thing is, how then do we translate the things that have been established for us in the spirit into manifestation in the natural? That's what the Christian life is about. The Christian life is living in the supernatural. The supernatural life is you, are, you have access to things in the spirit. That is provided to you by the Spirit of God. And by the Spirit of God, by the knowledge you have of God, you are able to translate those things out of the Spirit into manifestation in the natural. That when people see that, they see that as the supernatural life. This is what sometimes people call it miracles. It is the supernatural life. And this is the kind of life that God has called us to live. The Christian is not called to live in the ordinary natural life. He is called to live in the supernatural. Super means above natural. Which means although you live in a natural, but you have access to the super things, the things in the spirit which beats or supersedes the natural life. What does this mean? This means that although you may be walking by natural principles, this means that even though certain natural principles may not be working for you, even though you may be behind according to natural knowledge and natural wisdom, but because you have access to that of the Spirit of God, because you have access to that of the grace of God, you can override the natural. This is the mystery of the gospel of Christ. This is what the Bible calls in John 1 verse 3, that in him was life. The life he's talking about is the life in the Spirit. The supernatural life. He said, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Why is the supernatural life very important? Somebody may ask, why do I have to, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing well naturally. My, my life is good. I like my life. Why do I need access to the supernatural? Because the supernatural or the divine nature, what scripture calls the divine nature, and we're going to read what Peter is saying very shortly, but what scripture calls the divine nature is the original state in which man was created. Man was created in the original supernatural, what we call the glorified life. And that life was a life free of spiritual death and free of physical death. That does not mean that what we're studying will not, will not let you die, no. That what we're studying would allow you to live in the fullness of some of the glory according to the measure of the grace that has been given to you such so that the glory of God is revealed in your life. You would have a fruitful life. And that is what we mean by fruitful life. is life in accordance with the measure of the grace of God given you in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And the word of God has given us this light. But I want us to understand what Peter is saying here. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Where does this peace come from? I, I Remember I said, where does this peace come from? Peace, I've, I've said in times past and in many teachings, that peace is a sign of readiness of faith. And faith comes by the word of God. So anytime you come, so what he says, what Peter is saying here is the same thing that John spoke about. 
That out of John 1 verse 14, out of the fullness of Christ, we've all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses grace and truth. The manifestation of the truth of the word of God brings peace. So what Peter is talking about here is that see that the truth is your original state, is the word. The word of God is the truth. Hallelujah. But when the word has been fully manifested in your spirit, when the word is fully rooted in your heart, it would manifest by peace. So what Peter is saying here to the church is that when you have the fullness of the grace of God and the fullness of the truth of God's word, it would manifest by peace. So he said, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. Which means that when you come into the fullness of the knowledge of God, or when you come into the knowledge of God, or as you build more knowledge of God by the studying of the word of God, because you can only gain knowledge of God through his word. As you gain more knowledge of God, you increase in grace and you increase in the truth, which manifests by peace. So the grace and peace here, it just means grace and truth. Peace is the manifestation of the word of God. Whenever the word of God has manifested in your life, in your spirit, it, it manifests by peace. Peace is a manifestation of the spirit of God. Hallelujah. And so this is why we read in, we read in Galatians 5, is that the fruits of the spirit, love, joy, peace. You see, peace is a fruit of the spirit. Of the born again human spirit but the peace is birth comes from the knowledge of the truth of god's word that has been believed you can never receive the peace of god without faith nothing can be done in the kingdom of god without faith so the moment you believe the word of god there is the manifestation of faith in your heart and that faith the sign of readiness of faith is this peace so what peter is saying is that grace and peace be yours in abundance that should tell you something that the more knowledge of god is that through the knowledge of god and of jesus christ our lord the more knowledge of god that you get you increase in grace and you increase in the peace of god in your life so this is very important this is just a side thought that's not what we're studying but i chipped in this year because we read the scripture and it's very important and so he says now the verse three his divine power this is the thought his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him. I like the New King James because he says, His divine power has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Hallelujah. So God's divine power has given, not going to, you see? He's given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. But did he end there? He said, through our knowledge of him. The knowledge has come here again. So which means that the divine power of God, you will not have access to the divine power of God, which gives you everything that pertains to life and godliness without the knowledge of God. So he says, his divine power has given us everything we need that pertains to life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Listen to this. Through these, through the knowledge of God, which has given us access to everything that pertains to life through the knowledge of him, 
Through these, he has given us in the knowledge of God. This is what you find in the knowledge of God. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So you can never come into the knowledge of the promises of God without the knowledge of him. And so we have to understand that through these, through the knowledge of him, God and of our Lord Jesus Christ, God has given us his very great glory to God, great and precious promises so that through them, hallelujah, through the knowledge of him, through the promises, glory to God, you may participate in the divine nature. That's a life in the spirit. That's not a life in the flesh. That's, that, that's a life, the supernatural life. So that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. Why? Because he said, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Remember, the, the preamble to this is, he's writing to believers. So if you are a believer, you have escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You have escaped it. It's not now that you're going to escape it. You've already escaped it. And he's saying that because you have escaped the corruption in the world by your believing in Christ, now you have access to the knowledge of him that gives you access to his very great and precious promises that allows you to be able to walk the supernatural life. This is what Peter is telling, telling, saying to the church, to every believer. Under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God is speaking through Peter. He's saying that God's divine power has given to us everything. So you see, everything means anything that you can think of in your life. Anything that pertains to your life, God has given that to you. Everything you need for life, because he says everything we need, glory to God, everything we need that pertains to our lives and godliness. But he says we can only have access to everything we need when we have gained knowledge of him. Why? Because the knowledge of him gives you access to something. His very great and precious promises. So that through the knowledge of him and his very great and precious promises, you may partake in the divine nature. That's the supernatural life. So this is why I said that the believer has an advantage over all people. The believer has an advantage in life. Why does the believer have an advantage in life? Because, number one, he has escaped the corruption in the world. Number two, he has access to the grace of God. The grace of God has established certain things for him. He has access to that which has been established by God. And then he has also have access to the knowledge of God, which gives you Access or gives you all, makes known to you God's very great and precious promises. And he said, through these very great and precious promises, you may be able to partake in the divine nature. So I want you to understand that. 
We're building something here. We're still an introduction or laying the foundation for your life. You already have that foundation of Christ, which has allowed you to escape the corruption in the world. And what we're discussing is that now that you have escaped that corruption in the world, you see, how then do you build a spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ? And what Peter is saying to the church is, in order, what we, what we mean by spirit-filled and fruitful life is the supernatural life, the divine nature. And Peter is saying that in order to partake in that divine nature, first, you have to, he's talking to Christians, and I want you to understand that. Christians have the deposit of the Spirit of God in them. I want you to understand that basic fact. Christians, every Christian who is born again has received the deposit of the Spirit of God. If they still, hold, if they still have their faith, they have the deposit of the Spirit of God in them. And Peter is saying that because you have the spirit of deposit of God in you, now what you need is to grow in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ so that you can have access to everything you need for your life. Because the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ brings you into the knowledge of his great and precious promises. And by these great and precious promises, you may be able to walk in the divine nature, which is to live the supernatural life. So this is the understanding that we're starting this on. You are called to live the supernatural life. There is nothing about you that is natural again. You live the natural life, yes. You do things like natural human beings do. But you are called to live in the supernatural life. And the supernatural life means that even though certain natural principles may not be working for you, even though certain things may not be right in your life now, but because of what you have access to, because of the knowledge of God that you have access to, you can override it. That's where we're headed. That's where we're headed. And so here, we have to understand the context which Peter is writing this. He's writing to believers. And the reason is because believers already have the deposit of the Spirit of God. The deposit of the Spirit of God. And he's saying that because you have the deposit of the Spirit of God, there is one more thing that you need, which is the knowledge of God. How? The question is, how can you gain knowledge of God? It is through the Word of God. Now that we have laid out these foundation, I want us to go back to our point that we're, 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 which I was mentioning earlier on. What we're saying is that in order for anything to be built for longevity, because our theme is laying the foundation for your life, what we're more interested in is to build a spirit-filled and fruitful life. And a fruitful life is a long-lasting life. The Bible says, whoever does the will of God lives forever. That's longevity. That longevity does not mean you will not die. That longevity means that you will live and fulfill God's perfect will for your life here on earth. And then after Christ, Christ comes, you will also enjoy eternity. So this is why the scripture says, whoever does the will of God lives forever, which means you live in the fullness of God's will for your life according to the grace that has been given you here on earth. And then when Christ comes, you also live in eternity. If you don't, I mean, this is the fullness of life. If you don't want this, I don't know what else that people need. 
you have the ability to live a, a fruitful and glorious life here on earth. And on top of that, after you have lived and fulfilled your full life, it means that you are not going to die before your time. You are going to live long. Longevity means long. And what we mean by longevity, it is not longevity pertaining to only life. Longevity pertaining to only the length or the age that you'll attain in this life, but longevity in every aspect of your life. Glory to God. And so, what the scripture is telling us is, whoever does the will of God lives forever. That is, there's longevity there. Longevity in the fullness of the life that God has given you in his perfect will here on earth, as well as eternity with Christ. And that's the life that I want. I don't know about you, but I believe that you also want that same life. And so what we're saying is that in order for anything to be built for longevity, it requires a good foundation. In order for anything to be built for longevity, it requires a good foundation. And last, the last couple of teachings, we made an example that even in a natural, if you want to build a house without a solid foundation, the house may crash in the future. You know, the house will not stand forever. So it requires a good foundation. And so what we're saying is that in order to lay a solid foundation for your life, these principles are very important. What we're going to discuss is laying the foundation for your life. There are certain principles that God has laid out in his word that allows us to lay a solid foundation for our lives for longevity. And what we mean by that is it's God's blueprint those principles are God's blueprint for building a spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ. Hallelujah. So we can understand that anything that has to be built for longevity requires a good foundation. And God has laid out these principles, what I call the blueprint, that we're going to study in his word that allows us to be able to fulfill his perfect will for our lives and also enjoy eternity with Christ. And when you fulfill his perfect will for, for your life, it means that you will experience the fullness of the glory of God according to the measure of the grace given you here on earth. According to that which Christ, according to that which you have access to in Christ. And what we just read is that even though God has given you a measure to start with. What Peter is writing to the church and explaining and by the inspiration of the Spirit, saying to them is, there is more in him that you may start with an access to a certain level of grace. But he says in the verse 2, 2 Peter 1 verse 2, that grace and peace be yours in abundance <laughs> through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. These principles that we're going to study is knowledge of God. Because it comes from the word of God. And because these are, this is knowledge of God, these principles would allow you to also increase in the grace of God and also increase in the peace of God for your life. Hallelujah. And so, to build that solid foundation of your life here on earth, in the will of God, this is what we're interested in because we want for longevity. Any, nothing lasts without God. You see, 
It is God who makes things grow. It is God who sustains things. You see? So what we mean by longevity also means that it has to be done in the will of God. That's what scripture says. Whoever does the will of God lives forever. We live forever because God is forever. Hallelujah. He does not expire. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. He does not change. So, to build a solid foundation for your life here on earth, in the will of God, and we're interested in the will of God because we want whatever we're building to last. That we have to understand, if that is our goal, that we have to understand certain fundamental principles that set the foundation of life here on earth. So, we're going to examine the book of beginnings. If we want to be able to, because we're saying we're laying a foundation. And God laid a foundation for life here on earth. You see? The foundation of life here on earth was laid by God. And so, to be able to also lay a solid foundation for our life, that we have to examine what principles that God has made known to us through His Word that allowed Him, that He leveraged... To lay a solid foundation to build this world as we see it that has lasted for generations after generations. Hallelujah. So this is where we're going. We're getting into deep waters. So I want you to open your mind. I want you to open your heart to this revelation of the word of God. Because once you can understand this, even now you're going to see that the spirit of God will begin to manifest himself to you. You see, there was the light of the word. There was the light of the revelation of the spirit that was speaking, spoken long ago through one of his servants. He said, when you understand the figure of that which is spoken in the old, then the new will become real to you. Then the Spirit of God will manifest Himself to you and to others. And great shall be the reward thereof. Because the Spirit of the Lord is still the same as it always was. Glory to God. So we have to understand that whatever we're studying here is a foundation for life here on earth. And God leveraged these principles to create what we see. So if we can understand these principles, this is what the Bible calls us, ye are gods. <laughs> Glory to God. Ye are gods because he has given us access to certain things that he leveraged to be able to create. He has given us access to certain things that is able to build something that lasts. And as his word is embedded in his word, this is what Peter is saying that you will grow in the grace and peace. Your grace and peace will increase in abundance through the knowledge of him, knowledge of God. So what we're going to study is the knowledge of God. And this knowledge of God that we're going to study these principles, God leveraged these principles to build here on earth. And he's given us access to this, that we can also leverage because we are his children. He wants us to be able to also build a life for ourselves in the image of that which he has given us. And that's what we're going to study. And so, there are two things that God leveraged to build the foundation of the earth as we see it. The two principal things, I call it principal things, and also the seeds of God for man. And God gave man access to this right in creation. He gave Adam access to it, and Adam lost it. But now, through Christ, the Bible says, God is restoring all things to himself through Christ. Through the Lord Jesus Christ, we have gotten access to the seed of this, which we can leverage to build what Peter calls 
everything we need that pertains to life and godliness. This is why this teaching is very, very important. If you can understand this, this will affect every aspect of your life. You will grow in every aspect of your life. You will be blessed. It is impossible for you to accept this word and put it to work and not be blessed. It is impossible. It is impossible because the word of God does not fail. God does not fail. Hallelujah. So he says, so I call these, these two principal things, um, I call them the seeds of God. And these two principal things are the spirit of God and the word of God. This, these are the two things God leveraged to create and sustain everything that we see here on earth and is still existent till now and will be there until the creator himself destroys it. But until then, he has laid out certain principles. He has laid out certain principles which operate around the principles that we're going to discuss of leverages the spirit of God and the word of God. So these principles either work through the word or work through the spirit. And so they work together to help us build a solid foundation. So these are the two principal things, the spirit of God and the word of God. And God leveraged these two principal things to create everything as we know it in the natural. And so by these two things that God gave man access to, God expected man to be fruitful and multiply here on earth. And that access, you see, not everyone has access to these two principal things that we're talking about now. It is only believers who have access to it. These principal things, we're going to see that God has translated some of these principal things into natural principles. These two principal things that we're going to study created the natural principles that we all go to school to learn. We all find out from people that we leverage to build a successful life. So what we're going to study is the original power, the original knowledge, the original wisdom, the original understanding that God used to create that which is in operation in the natural. This means that once you can understand the operation of these two, of these principles, that you can override the natural principles. And I'll give you a practical example. A practical example is healing. And I, I can confidently see, say these things because these are areas that the Lord has used us to, to minister to people. So we can confidently say we have testimonies of this. And, that, and a, a, a practical example is healing. What, what do I mean by healing? God, through his spirit and his word, these are the two principal things, has translated certain principles, what we call natural principles, what we call signs. We have discovered it and we call it signs. He has put these things here, translated them in the natural. I want you to put your spirit cap on. Whatever we're going to study is a spiritual principle. The people in the world cannot understand these two these, these things that we're studying. The first thing that we would encourage them is to, for them to receive Christ, that they can understand these. Because we, no matter how much you talk to them, they can't have access to it. They can use it because they are not of the Spirit of God. 
what they can use, the people in the world can use, and they are using it better than even Christians, is the natural principles. The natural principles that, that what the Word of God and the Spirit of God has translated in the natural that men have studied over many, many years, have discovered, and now leveraging these principles to build a better life. And I said a practical example is healing or medicine. God has translated certain uh, principles in the natural that allows man to, and he's given us access to those things. They are in the natural. So you don't have to be a Christian to, have, to be able to leverage it. All you have to do is to come into knowledge of it and leverage it. That is what we call natural human faith. It is based on evidence. Where do you get the evidence? Through knowledge. Evidence of things that we can see in the natural, that we leverage. What we're going to discuss is evidence of the spirit. The evidence of things in the spirit created the evidence of things in the natural. But something translated it and brought it into the natural. And once it is translated in the natural, everyone can use it. You don't have to be a Christian. One of the principles... Is what I'm talking about as medicine. Another principle is the force of gravity. The force of gravity, the spirit of God can be in the air. One of the one of the things you see, Jesus, when he was teaching Nicodemus, he said, the 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 the, the wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. He says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit of God. So, so he says he uses the, the, the natural air or air to try and explain the things of spirit. The spirit of things, uh, the, the, the spiritual things cannot be limited by natural things. You have to understand that. But God has translated certain nat- some of the spiritual principles into natural he has caused it to manifest in the natural by his word and because they have manifested in the natural every natural person can leverage it anything every living thing in the natural those principles would affect them this is why we even have medicine for plants we have medicine for animals and we have medicine for human beings why because medicine is it's 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 god's principle Principal thing, the Spirit of God, the Word of God, has translated certain things that have manifested in the natural. Then when we discover the not through our knowledge of those things in the natural, and we put it to work, it works for us. But even though because that knowledge is limited and Satan is the God of this age, he can corrupt that knowledge. This is why God has also given access to the principal things, the original things that created these to his people. He's given this access to his people so that even though the natural principles may not be working for you because Satan is the God of this age and he resists in the natural, then you can leverage what you have access to and override <laughs> the natural. And so this is why I was saying, I was using healing as an example. This is why we've seen many who were sick. The doctors have leveraging natural principle of medicine, which we all believe in. It works. And they could not, because there's no cure for it. They cannot receive healing. But we leveraged glory to God. What we have access to, the spirit of God and the word of God are two principal things. And we're able to override that which the natural principles could not do. And so we ministered to them in accordance with the word of God. 
and they were healed. You see, this is what we're talking about. That what we're studying will help you in every area of your life that you can think of. This is what we call it the blueprint for building a spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ. And so what we're saying is that when God created man, God gave man access to these two principal things. And because of these two principal things, which I call the seeds of God, God said to man, be fruitful and multiply. Be fruitful and multiply. How can you bear fruit if you have not been given something that allows you to bear fruit? Nobody can bear fruit. No seed, no plant can bear fruit without a seed. The seeds, the seed formed the plant or resulted in, in a plant. The seed germinated and became a plant and the plant bears the fruit. So you see that there can be no fruit without a seed. And so how do we know that God gave access to these things? The first gave man access to these things. The second question is, how do we know that these two principal things set the foundation of the world? We're going to answer those questions. We've tackled it in, in, in our previous sessions, but I want to highlight it because once you get this foundational understanding, it is very easy when we're moving on and talking about setting, we're going deeper in the revelations of scripture as the Spirit of God enables us. And so I want us to read this, this scripture, Genesis 1, the verse 28, for you to understand that God's instruction to man, the original man, Adam, before he fell. And I want you to note the difference. This was God's instruction to man before man lost the two principal things that God gave him access to. And we're going to see that because man had access to these two things, the instruction that God gave man was, be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 1 verse 28, he said, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, you see, God blessed them. Why did God? He created them, gave them access to something, and he blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. And I want to, we are continuing the same Genesis 1.28. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the earth, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Which means, all this means is, have dominion over natural things. This was God's instruction to the uncorrupted Adam and Eve. And the uncorrupted Adam and Eve means that Adam and Eve had access to number one, they had the spirit of God. And number two, they had the word of God. And because they had access to these two principal things, which we call the seeds of God for man, God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Which means that in order for any person to be fruitful and multiply here on earth. And the fruitfulness and multiplication that we're talking about is not limited to one particular thing in life. It pertains to what Peter was saying. Everything that pertains to your life and godliness. And the godliness is there because it comes from God. And when you move in the will of God, you are godly. Hallelujah. 
And so, and that godliness can also mean that you act like God because you were created in the image of God. Hallelujah. So God-like, godly. Hallelujah. So as God said, and I want to read that scripture again because it's very, very important. There is a lot here that we're going to unpack here. He says, Genesis 1 verse 28. We're going to the book of beginnings because we want to understand how to lay a solid foundation for our lives. Everything that pertains to your life. Genesis 1 20 said, then God blessed them. This is the preamble to this. The previous verse is God created man. Let, let, let's read it so that you know that we're not taking things out of context. Genesis 1 verse 26. 126 says, then God said, let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness so that they may rule. That's dominion. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And listen. So God, the verse 27. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Hallelujah. Male and female, he created them. So now you understand why there is all this craziness going on in the world about homosexuality and transgender and these things. They were created what? Male and female. Two. Hallelujah. Then the verse 28. God blessed them and said to them. God did what? Blessed them. So here, God created them in his own image. Male and female. And then after he created them, you see, he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, which means multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule or to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And what we're saying is that God gave this instruction to man to be fruitful and multiply because God had given him access to these two principal things we're talking about. The Spirit of God and the Word of God. Now, let's start with how do we know that God gave man access to these two principal things that set the foundation for creation. How do we know that? But it is important for us to understand, you see, what these two principal things, what we're saying is that these two principal things set the foundation of the earth. So let's answer that question before we come to man, because once we take off with man, then we, we, we move. The first question, which is that this first question we're going to address is, how do we know that the two principal things, these two principal things, the spirit of God and the word of God, as we call it, set the foundation of God's creation. Now we understand that the instruction God gave man was be fruitful and multiply. And what we're saying is that it was because God had given man, number one, his spirit, number two, his word. And the, the previous, the, the first statement, uh, one of the statements that I made was that nothing, anything that pertains to this life cannot exist, cannot manifest in the natural without the spirit of God 
and without the word of God. And that's the first question we're going to answer. We're going to answer. How do we know that these two principal things, the spirit of God and the word of God, set the foundation of life here on earth? Once we understand that, then we can understand why it is important to have the spirit of God in you and why it is important to know the word of God. Hallelujah. Because everything that pertains to life here on earth happen or operate or is allowed to operate by the spirit of God and by the word of God. This is why we call it principle, principle things. And why I also call it the seeds of God to man because it was given as a seed to man right at creation. Now, let's go to Genesis 1. We're going to answer the first question. But before that, there is a thought here that I, that I want to lay out to you, which is also very important. Dr. Miles Morrow, who is a good teacher, and he talked a lot about the kingdom of God and all of that. I was listening to one of his teachings, and he made, he made, he made mention of something here that struck me, which, which aligns with, with the revelation the Spirit of God gave me later on. He says that, just paraphrasing, that when God said to man, be fruitful and multiply, that means that he, has, he had already given man something. He had already given man a seed. You see? Because he says that you cannot bear fruit without a seed. And so, the reason why God gave that instruction to man to be fruitful and multiply, because God had already given the seed to man. But he didn't talk about the seed. Later on, the Spirit of God opened my eyes to see these two, these two seeds. So that's what we're discussing. Where I brought this, this seed here. Because it is a seed of God. Hallelujah. So the seeds of God, what we're saying, those seeds are the Spirit of God and the Word of God. And we're saying that how do we know that these two seeds of God, or we, what we also call the principal things, I'll be using that term interchangeably. How do we know that it set the foundation for life here on earth? Because what Peter is saying is that his divine power has given to us everything we need for a godly life. For everything that pertains to life and godliness. And what we're saying is that what God has given us, that's what we're able to have. Everything that we need for a godly life is his spirit and his word. And it is the spirit and the word of God that allows life to happen here on earth. How? How did God do it? Let's go back to the book of beginnings. Genesis 1. And we're going to read from the verse 1 to the verse 4. And this is in the NIV version. He says, in the beginning... See, beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So anything that pertains to the heavens and the earth in the natural realm as we see it, these two principal things, God leveraged to do that. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless. So the Spirit of God allowed us, the Word of God is saying, take, take a step back. What was happening to the earth? Before God created it. Now, he said, now the earth was formless. It was empty and there was darkness over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So I want us to take notice of three, three, three things that were happening to the earth before God transformed it. 
The first one was, the earth was formless. Number two, the earth was empty. Number three, the earth was dark. There was darkness over the surface of the deep of the earth. But that was not the only thing happening to the earth at that point. The last phrase of the verse one said, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters of the earth. But I want you to take notice of something here. That even though the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters of the earth before God created it, yet the earth was formless, the earth was empty, and the earth was dark. That should tell you something. That the presence of the Spirit of God alone does not cause anything to happen here on earth as it pertains to the natural life. I'll take that again. The presence of the Spirit of God alone does not cause anything to manifest in the natural life. Did I sink in? Why? Because you see from creation, this is what the Spirit opened my eyes to see. Even though there was the presence of the Spirit of God over the surface of the waters of the earth, yet the earth was still empty, it was still dark, and it was still formless, and there was darkness over the surface of the, water, or, or, of the deep. And the Spirit of God ministered to me in times past. So this is why you can have people who are born again. The new birth gives you the deposit of the Spirit of God in you. And still you can see that people are born again and they still have a formless, an empty, and a darkened life. Why? Because they have received the deposit of the Spirit of God. But the presence of the Spirit of God alone will not cause anything to change in the natural. Because the Spirit does not operate alone. The Spirit is the first principal thing. The first principal thing God introduces when there's going to be a change. I want you to understand that. Before there can be any change as it pertains to this life here on earth, there has to be first the presence of the Spirit of God. But what we're saying is that the presence of the Spirit of God alone will not cause anything to change in the natural. Because the Spirit does not operate alone. There has to be the presence of something else. The second principal thing, the word of God. How do we know? Read the verse 3. And God said, God saying is God speaking. When you speak, what do you speak? You speak words. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good. So now we see the two principal things or what I call the seeds of God at work here. The first thing God did when he wanted to transform something, the first thing God did when he wanted to create the, the earth, wanted to recreate the earth or transform the earth, was he put his spirit to hover over that which he wanted to create. In the same way, the new birth introduces the Spirit of God in you because God wants to transform your life. Because God wants to do something new in your life. God wants to remove that formless, that empty, and darkened life. This is why the first message to the unbeliever is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was raised to life for your justification. And when they believe that the Spirit of God takes residence in them. 
But even though they receive the deposit of the Spirit of God, it means that God wants to transform their life. Even though they have received the deposit of the Spirit of God, nothing will change in the natural until there is an introduction of the Word of God. The Bible says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. David later on saw this in the Spirit and said, the entrance of His Word giveth light. Glory to God. Because even though the Spirit of God may be there, as it pertains to this natural life, because there was this, the darkness was already here. So that darkness is not dissipated by the presence of the Spirit of God uh, alone. Because that darkness is also spirit. That darkness is also spirit. And God, the Bible says, God is the father of all spirit. He made Satan darkness. So that darkness you see there is the spirit of the devil who was cast down from heaven. And later on, we're going to pick each of these two principal things and we're going to go into details. We're going to pick the spirit of God. We're going to pick the word of God and we're going to study it extensively as the spirit of God enables us as he brings the revelation to us. So I want you to brace yourself. Where we're going, we're going into deeper waters. I have not heard anyone teach this. This is brand new to me. Hallelujah. It's the Holy Spirit who is opening my eyes, opening our eyes to something miraculous, something spectacular, that once we're able to catch the revelation of his word, as Peter is saying, that his divine power has given us everything we need that pertains to life, but it comes through our knowledge of him. This is the knowledge he's made available to us, that we can understand life. Once you can understand this, you understand why life happens. You understand why certain things happen in the natural. You understand why people die. You understand why calamities happen. You understand why children are born the way they are born. You understand life in general. <laughs> oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. And so, it is important for us to take notice here. That before anything can be transformed here, as it pertains to the natural life, there has to be first the presence of the Spirit of God. But the presence of the Spirit of God will not automatically transform anything here on earth until there is the introduction of His Word. And God said, and so God gives us this light right in creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the Spirit told us the status of the earth, how God did it, what happened. He said, now the earth was formless, and empty darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we see that the spirit of God was there and yet the earth, the earth was formless. It was still empty and it was still dark. This explains, there's another thought here. This explains why there is wickedness in the world. Darkness is still here. Darkness is still here. We are going to see from creation that God separated light from darkness. There was a set time for that darkness to be eliminated forever. That time hasn't come yet. It will come at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're waiting for. But God separated that light from darkness. And out of the light, he created everything. But the darkness was still on the earth. And so that darkness, the spirit of darkness, which is Satan, manifested himself in a serpent that deceived Eve and caused Eve to sin against God and fell prey, caused man to fall prey to darkness. 
As we read in the book of Revelation, we're going to see later on that the book of Revelation talks about this. You see, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because that great serpent, that, that serpent that called the devil, Satan, he has been cast down to the earth. But he said, rejoice those who dwell in heaven. Who are those who dwell in heaven? The Bible says, those of us who are believed in Christ Jesus, we are seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus because we are in him. We are in the spirit. So, although he is the God of this age, according to 2 Corinthians 4, the verse 4, he said, in whom the God of this age, Satan, is the God of this age. He's called the prince of darkness. So, this is what the Bible says. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities, against the powers, and against the rulers of the darkness of this age. See, they're still at work here until the appointed time comes. So, you remember when Jesus went, went to the other side, the cross or the lake to the other side in the book of Matthew and, and, and the spirit saw Jesus and said, why have you come to drive us out until the appointed time? The spirits know, the evil spirits, they know there is a set time for them to be eliminated from the surface of this earth. But that time has not come yet. Until then, they have a right to be here. But what happened is that because there was a set time when God created man, he created man out of the light and that light he separated. You see, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. The scripture says, God saw that the light was good. And he separated light from darkness. You see, he separated light from darkness. You see, when you read the account of this, you see, there is a spiritual revelation in this word that there is also that natural understanding in this word. Anyone who does not have the spirit of God Anyone who is not born again, anyone who is not enlightened, enabled by the Spirit of God to understand His Word, they will read this Word as God created the heavens and the earth, and you know, they will understand it from a natural perspective because the Word has been translated and has brought a manifestation of what we see. You see? And so there is that natural component that we can understand that allows us to relate to natural things. But there is also the spirit behind this word that brought to light that which we see in the natural. And that's, what we, that's where we're going. We're going deeper into those principal things that God leveraged to create that which we see in the natural. Once we can understand how God leveraged those two principal things to create, then because we have access to these two principal things, we can also create. We can also live what Peter calls the divine nature. And once you live in that divine nature, the prince of darkness will not have authority over you. This is what Jesus said. That behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth shall be lost in heaven. We read later in Luke 10, he says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. See, he fell from heaven to the earth. He said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. That I've given you authority. To trample upon snakes and scorpions, not to eliminate them away forever, but to trample upon them, to have authority over them, to trample upon snakes and scorpions. Is he literally talking about snakes? No, he's talking about types of demonic activities, manifestation of the prince of darkness, manifestation of the spirit of darkness. That's what he's talking about. So he says that because you are in me, have given you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. So we have power of the darkness. You see, but we have to understand how that power operates. 
Why do Christians have that power? Because we have access to the two principal things that God leveraged to create out of light, create everything, and to separate light from darkness, which was his spirit, as we're seeing from Genesis 1, and his word. Because the scripture says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, so we see the spirit of God here. And then God said, that's the word of God. Let there be light. And there was light. The scripture says, God saw that the light was good. And he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. You remember the Apostle Paul also spoke about we are children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night. Why was the Apostle Paul? Because we know where he was speaking by the inspiration of the Spirit of God. He was talking about we're children of the light. Why? Because man was originally created out of the light. He God separated light from darkness. The darkness... We see a darkness manifest in the natural. We will call dark. It's a natural manifestation of a principle that God did. Principle of the word of God translated in the natural. But there's a spirit behind that. The reason why there is darkness, the Bible says when Christ come, you see, when, 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 when the second coming of Christ come, when there is a new heaven and a new earth, when we read the book of Revelation, is that there will be no darkness because the glory of God will shine. Over us. So we will not need the sun or the moon. The glory of God is light because God is light. The Bible says, in Him there is no darkness at all. So that should tell you that the manifestation of this darkness tells us even the darkness we see in the, in, in the natural as evening should tell us that there is a spirit of darkness which is allowed to operate here. Can you, are, you, are you getting this? There is a spirit of darkness that is allowed to operate here on earth until the appointed time when he's eliminated forever. But in God's original plan, he separated the light from darkness because there was a marked time, a set time for that darkness to be eliminated. And he wanted men to move away from that darkness. He gave the earth to man. So he separated light from darkness. And he said, the scripture says, and there was evening and there was morning. So I want you to understand here that the manifestation in the natural is a sign of that which was in the spirit. The natural is only a manifestation of that which was in the spirit, which was allowed to be translated. And what we do see here is that the spirit of God brought access. See, the presence of the Spirit of God brings access to that which is in the will of God. Brings access to that which is of the Spirit. This is why Jesus said, you remember Matthew 16, when Peter had the revelation that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, he said, behold, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Having the keys to a place means you have access to that place. So what the scripture is telling us is that by the revelation of Christ, by believing in Christ and being born again, you receive access. Why? Why do you have access? Because the Spirit of God has taken resident in you. The Bible says God has anointed us. Second, uh, First Corinthians, and uh, Second Corinthians. God has anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, 
and put his spirit in our heart as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. What is to come? The fullness of the glory. So even though the fullness of the glory will come when Jesus comes, before that glory comes, because of the presence of his spirit, because of the deposit of the spirit in us, we are able to walk in the fullness of the glory. But what we're saying is that the presence of the spirit of God alone will not change anything in the natural because the spirit is not operate alone. He operates with the word. This is why John 1, the verse 1 said, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He said, Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. He was talking about things that were made in the natural. So what the Spirit of God is making known to us this, this morning is that nothing can be made in the natural without the word of God. And so somebody may ask, so why are evil things happening in the earth? Because darkness is already here. Because darkness, when God created Adam, he gave that authority to Adam to have dominion. We just read that scripture. Have dominion over all things, which means have dominion over natural life. Then darkness, which manifested, which is the spirit of darkness, Satan, manifested through a serpent, deceived them and had dominion. So Satan took dominion over natural things. And when he took dominion, now, you remember the book of Revelation says, the accuser of our brethren who accuses them day and night before God has been cast to the earth. What is he accusing us of? He is accusing us because we have handed authority back to him. We handed authority to him. He didn't have authority. We were given the original authority. So reading Hebrews, he said, let's read something quickly in the book of Hebrews 2. The spirit of the Lord spoke through the apostle Paul. To the church concerning this, what, what, what I'm sharing with you. It is important for us to understand. I know that this is, this is deep teachings. You may, might not have heard it anywhere else. But this is the word of God. Hallelujah. He said, I want to read the book of Hebrews for you to understand that man had act was the authority here on earth. Man, Adam was originally the God of this age. The God of natural things. Listen to this. He said, He said, it is not to angels, the verse 5, Hebrews 2, the verse 5. It is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. You see, there is a world to come, the fullness of the glory to come, about which we're speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified. What is mankind that you're mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. The verse 7, you made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with what? With glory and honor. See, the glory has come here again. So that should tell you that Adam was created in a glorified state. So when you hear me say that Adam was created in a glorified state, and you see that Jesus resurrected in a glorified state, and literally the apostles' teachings tell us that what we shall be, he said, the fullness of what we'll be, we don't know. But we know that when Jesus comes, we shall be like him as he is. Glory to God. And he resurrected in a glorified state. And so the Bible says, just as we inherited the nature of the first man, we bore the nature of the first man, so shall we bore the nature of the last Adam. Jesus is the last Adam. He resurrected in a glorified state. That glorified state cannot be limited by the natural things. That glorified state is supersedes everything that pertains to the natural. This is why when the disciples were together, when Jesus resurrected, the Bible clearly says that the door was shut and Jesus entered through it because he was in glory. 
Oh, glory to God. I, 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 let, let, I want to stick to this way. I don't want to digress too much, but this is very important. He said, you made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. In putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. You see? Everything was subject to them. To man. Who is he talking about? Man. Everything was subject to the authority of man. God left nothing that is not subject to them. But listen to this. Yet at present, we do not see everything subject to them. Why? Because Adam committed high treason, handed that authority back to Satan. He was deceived. And so take, Satan took dominion over all things. This is why in the temptation of the Lord Jesus in Matthew 4, Satan said, he took him to a very high mountain and said, he showed him the kingdoms of this world and their splendor. And he said, if you bow to me, I will give you all these things. How could Satan do that? How could he say that? Who, did, who gave him these things? Man did. Adam did. And this, Jesus did not dispute that. And Jesus said, away from me, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Satan, this is what 2 Corinthians 4, the verse 4 says, in whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Why does he blind them? Because when he can blind you, then you will not leverage, you will not have access to the two principal things, which is the spirit of God and the word of God, which has, do, which has dominion over him. See, this is why Jesus came to restore the glory. Because we had glory. Adam was created and glorified say, But he said, at present, we do not see everything subject to them. But the good news is, but the verse 9. But we do see Jesus, <laughs> who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor. You see? The first one he says, the verse 7, you made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor. So man originally had glory and honor. Why? Because he had these two seeds, the, word, the spirit of God and the word of God. And when you have these two principal things, the glory of God and honor will come to you. Hallelujah. And so when Jesus came, Jesus was crowned with glory and honor. And so we read in the book of John, he says, John 17 says, Father, I have given them the glory you gave me. So what Jesus came to do is to restore us to the original glory that Adam had. Hallelujah. Because that glory, Satan deceived us and we lost that glory but christ jesus came to restore but the full restoration will come when jesus come but even though the full restoration has not come yet we have the deposit of the spirit and we have access to the word of god according to the measure of the grace of god given to each of his children so that in that we may partake in the divine nature this is what peter was talking about in second peter one the verse three that we may partake in the divine nature. So he said, Yet at present we do not see everything subject to them. But we do see Jesus, who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death. He had to take the place of Adam. You see? So that by the grace of God, he might test death for everyone. In bringing many sons and daughters to glory. Do you see it here? The verse 10, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, it was fitting that God for whom and through whom everything exists. 
So that should tell you something. God is the creator of all things. God is, makes everything exist. God sustains all things. And so he said, in bringing many sons and daughters to glory, the original glory, it was fitting that God, for whom and through whom everything exists, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through what he suffered. Both the one who makes people holy and those who are made holy are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. He says, I will declare your name to my brothers and sisters. In the assembly, I will sing your praises. And again, he said, I'll put my trust in God. And again, he says, he am I and the children God has given me. He says, since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So we, what, what, what do we see here? That when Adam lost that dominion, he fell. He lost that dominion because he fell into spiritual death. And the God of the dead is Satan. That's darkness. That's the darkness we see from at the beginning of creation. That is Satan. He is the prince of darkness. He is the devil. And so the moment you are in spiritual death, it means that Satan has access to corrupt your life. This is what Peter was saying is that because you have escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. We've escaped that corruption because Jesus came and broke the power of him who holds the power of death. And what did he do? He brought us to glory. And that glory... Is because we have access to these two principal things in a new birth. You have access to the Spirit of God, which is a deposit in you. And you have access to the Word of God, which is being shared abroad in your heart. And this is why he spoke through the prophet Jeremiah and Ezekiel. He said, I'll write my laws in your heart. I'll put them on your minds. And they will be my people. And I will be their God. Because of these two principal things that we have access to, that's why we're able to partake in the divine nature. But in order for us to be able to participate in the divine nature, we have to understand how the spirit works. We have to understand how the word works in alignment with the will of God. How does God leverage his word? How does God allow us to operate in the fullness of his spirit that he's given us access to? Once you can understand that, then you can put it to work and you can lay a solid foundation for your life. As God's blueprint for building a spirit-filled and fruitful life in Christ. And so here, we see those two principal things at work. This is why, well, so here, the understanding that we've gotten from Genesis 1, the, uh, the verse 1 to 4, is that the presence of the Spirit of God alone will not change anything in the natural. This is why you can have people born again and they're still sick. They're still poor. Because the presence of the, the new birth gives you access to the Spirit of God. Gives you access to that which has been established for you. But in Christ, you do not only have access to that which has been established by the grace of God in the Spirit. But you, we read that you also have access to the truth. And that truth is the Word of God. This is when, when Peter was writing to the church. He said, so that grace and peace be multiplied to you or be, to you, be, be given you in abundance through the knowledge of God. Why? The knowledge of God. How do you get knowledge of God? Through the word of God. And it is the word that causes things out of the spirit to manifest in the natural. We're going to take 
These two principal things that we're going to go deep by this understanding given us by the Spirit of God. But I want us to answer, finish answering that question. The first question. How do we know that the two principal things set the foundation of the earth? We see right from Genesis 1 to verse, verse 4. When God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So first, God started by creating day and night. And how did he do it? By his word. He first put his spirit there. His spirit was there, but there was no day and night until he introduced his word. The moment he spoke his word, there was the manifestation of light. And then when he acted on his word, there was the manifestation of day and night. So now the light has been translated into full manifestation and functionality. So this tells us two things about the word of God. The word of God will bring existence of the will of God in your life. But the will of God may manifest. But in order for it to come into the fullness of the perfect will of God in functionality, there has to be an action on the word. This is what James later on talks about. Faith without works is dead. Why? Because the word of God is the source of faith. And faith without works is dead. When you believe the word of God, you are in faith. But that faith will not do anything for you unless you release that faith. How you release that faith is putting the faith to work. And how do you put your faith to work? I would mention this, but we're going to tackle it deeper later on. By the speaking of words and by action on the word of God. And so we see here that before anything could be created in the natural, the spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters of the earth. This tells us that before anything or any situation can be transformed here on earth, there has to be first the presence of the spirit of God. This is why the first message we preach is that people be born again. Because their lives cannot be transformed without the Spirit of God. And the new birth gives you access to the Spirit of God and helps you to understand, come into the truth. The Bible calls it the truth, the Word of God, the truth, because you cannot receive, come into knowledge of the truth without the Spirit. The truth is the word and is the spirit is the spirit of truth. So he brings you into the truth of the word of God. And so the spirit first before the word. And we're going to see that when God gave man access in doing creation, we're also going to answer the second question. We're going to end that session there with the second question, which is how do we know that God gave man access to these two principal things right at the beginning of creation? Adam has access to the spirit of God and he had access to the word of God. This is why he was the God of this age. This is why he was the God. He was, this is why God said, take dominion, be fruitful and multiply. And so here, we do see that the presence of the Spirit of God did not cause anything to change on the earth until the introduction of the Word of God. The scripture we read tells us that although the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, yet the earth was still formless, empty darkness was over the surface of the earth. I've highlighted these things that I want to read to make sure that I'm not missing anything that the Spirit had given me in, in, in the notes that I have. The Spirit together, I want you to understand this point. The Spirit together with the Word is what caused the creation of things in the natural. This means that in order for a natural life to be fruitful, in order for anything to be created in a natural, in accordance with the will of God, there has to be first the presence of the Spirit of God and two, the Word of God. 
there has to be the action or the manifestation of the two principal things, which we call the seeds of God. That's the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You can have the presence of the Spirit of God, but the glory of the Lord will never be revealed in the natural when there is absence of the Word of God. This is why you can have people. A practical example is what we see in, in the book of Acts. In Acts 6, you see there were men who were called to serve tables. The Bible says they chose men who were full of the Spirit and wisdom. Even though they were full of the Spirit and wisdom, you read nowhere else that any of them, aside from, aside, aside Stephen and Philip, who performed miracles or did great things for God in the natural. Why? Because the Bible says, Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Full of the Spirit alone will not get the job done because the Spirit will not operate. The Spirit will not cause anything to manifest in the natural. These are two different realms. What causes things to manifest in the natural is the Word of God. In the same way, you cannot have this, the Word of God without the Spirit of God. If you have the Word of God without the Spirit of God, you cannot come into the truth of the Word of God. You will be dead. This is why you have dead churches. They are, they are reading scripture, but you don't see any power of the gospel. You don't see the demonstration of the Spirit's power. Why? Because they do not have the Spirit. And if you don't have the Spirit of God, you cannot come into the truth of God's Word. So later on, the Apostle Paul warned Timothy, and, and Jude even talks about it, that people who, these are doctrines of demons. And these are doctrines of demons because they don't have the Spirit of God. So they are corrupted. By Satan, who is the prince of darkness, who is still at work to this day. Hallelujah. Until the second coming of Christ, when he's eliminated forever. And so we have to understand that you can't have one without the other. They work together. First, the presence of the Spirit of God, and then the Word of God. The Word of God alone without the Spirit of God will not cause the manifestation of the glory of God. Why? Because that's spiritual death. You can have the Word, but spiritual death. You may be able to do certain things in the natural by applying natural principles and it will work because those principles have already been translated into the natural and you don't have to be a Christian to apply those principles. This is why when the, when the Spirit of God uh, opened my eyes to this, I understand why unbelievers can't be successful. I understand why unbelievers can't be rich and Christians can't be poor. I understood why things happen. So I want you to open your understanding. As we're going deeper in, this, in these teachings, you're going to understand why things happen, why your life is that way, and you can examine your life by the knowledge of the Word of God and see where there is a fault, but see whether you've gone off track. Then by the knowledge of the Word, Peter said, you can particularly divine it and you can override it. And I gave the example of, of sickness, that even though natural principles were not working because the, the natural knowledge has not gotten there to heal all diseases, but we have access to the Spirit and the Word which work together. And by the Spirit of God and by the Word of God, who is Christ Jesus, we were able to supply that to people who accepted it and they were healed. How is that possible? This is what we call miracle. It's part of the divine nature. We're called to a supernatural life in Christ. And so let's wrap it up here because I think we are, we are at, at the time. He said, so the spirit together 
With the word of God is what causes the creation of things in the natural. This means that in order for a natural life to be fruitful in accordance with the will of God, there has to be the presence of the Spirit, both the Spirit of God and the Word of God. You can have the presence of the Spirit of God, but the glory of God will never be revealed in the natural where there is absence of the Word of God. And you can also have the Word of God, but without the Spirit of God, nothing will work. There will not be a manifestation of the glory of God. Because God, these two principal things work together. But first things first. First, the Spirit of God. This is why the new birth gives us the deposit of the Spirit. Then you can leverage the Word of God. Hallelujah. And so here, let's see. We know that God is light and in Him there is no darkness at all. But the presence of the Spirit of God did not cause the glory of the light to be revealed until the Word of God was spoken. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And, so, and God went ahead and separated light from darkness, that is, he took action on his word, bringing the fullness of the word in manifestation and functionality in the natural. And everything was created out of the light of the word of God, as we see in Genesis 1. So I want you to see something here. So you see that when God said, let there be light, and he, he started creation with creating, creating day and night, we see in verse 6, another creation. And God said, let there be a void between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the water and separated the water under the void from the, from the water above it. So God then started creating. He created everything by his word. So you read the verse 6. And God said, the verse 9. And God said, the verse 14. And God said, and the verse 20. God said, the verse 24. And God said, even the creation of man in the verse 26. Then God said. Nothing, this is why the scripture gives us in John 1 verse 3, there was nothing that was made without the word of God. The reason why there is a lot of wickedness in the world, the spirit of God is everywhere. God is omnipresent. This is why we have the term, he's omnipresent. But his omnipresence does not mean that the glory of the spirit of God will be manifested in the natural. The glory will only manifest where there is the presence of the word of God. This is why we go out to preach the gospel. You see, the spirit of God is, is everywhere. Why doesn't the spirit of God just manifest and people are saved? But we have to preach because the spirit does not operate apart from the word of God. There are situations where people see that like the Apostle Paul, he was abnormally born. There was a that was a manifestation of the Spirit. But even the manifestation of the Spirit brought the Word. See, the Spirit does not operate without the Word of God. It brought the Word of God. So even though the Spirit may manifest for people to see the glory of God, it would be done so through the Word of God. The Word will come with it. This is what the Bible says, God will never do anything he honored without his speaking through his prophet. What literally means that without the word of God. Hallelujah. And so this is why we go out and preach the gospel. Because Jesus died for them. But what Jesus did will not manifest in their lives without the word of God. Even though the spirit of God is every, everywhere. But the spirit will only manifest where the word has been released in faith. The releasing of the word of God translates the purpose of God out of the spirit into manifestation and functionality in the natural. So we have to understand that. So um, God, we understand that God created this world, set the foundation of this world by these two principal things, the spirit of God and the word of God. God willing, next week, we're going to tackle the second question 
which is, how do we know that God gave man access to, do, to these two principal things? How do we know that God gave man access to these two principal things? That's what we're going to tackle next week because of our time. I trust that this word blessed you this morning. Uh, we started this journey. We're still on the foundation. I want you to bear with me. We're going to get to where we, we talk about the principles, uh, uh, how to lay a solid foundation, submit yourself, seek, uh, um, do not conform to the pattern of the world, but transform yourself by the renewing of your mind. And then uh, so, uh, the, the, the third point is seek wisdom, Fourth, seek understanding. And then fifth, seek knowledge. You see, we're going to get to those principles where that bring, that allows you to be fruitful. But now we have to lay that solid foundation for you to understand that those principal things, submission and those things will not work without the understanding of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Because out of these two principal things, then these principles were released. These two principles are operate. They operate based on the foundation of the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Hallelujah. And everything that God has created has existed till now because of these two principal things. So we have to understand that. Hallelujah. And so next week, by the grace of God, we're going to answer the question, how do we know that God gave man access to these two principal things? During creation, Adam has access to the spirit and he had access to the word. This is why he became the God of this age. In this way, in the same way, the Bible says those of us who have received the word of God, you can't receive the word of God without the spirit of God. Those of us who have received the word of God, the Bible says he calls them, ye are gods. Jesus told them when they came to Jesus and then they, they would accuse him that he said he's, he's equating himself to God. He said, haven't you read that it is written, ye are gods to them that have received the word of God. Why? Because when the, the word is manifested, it is the spirit that allows the word to manifest. When the word comes to you, it means that you have access to those two principal things. And those two principal things can create, it can override the natural. And this is why we can perform miracles because we have access to this. But there is grace to each one of us. God has given us this grace for us to be able to operate in the fullness, in the measure of the Spirit and in the measure of the Word that He has given us access to. So God richly bless you. I want to say a simple prayer, closing prayer. If you are the sound of my voice, the word that we have understood today is that the two principal things, that these two principal things are very, very important in order for us to be able to do anything here on earth, we have to understand that nothing would happen without the Spirit of God and without the Word of God. And so I, I want to say this prayer for you. If you have the sound of my voice and you feel or you know that there is an aspect of your life that you're, you're not seeing fruitfulness, even as we have started this journey, we, don't, we haven't discussed all of it yet, but God by the knowledge of the word that has come to you, is able to cause things to manifest. The Bible says he knows what we need even before we ask. Hallelujah.
Because of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord is He timing? Timing. God is not limited by timing. So, if there is any aspect of your life where you think that, you know, Lord, I, 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 I should be better, that I should be seeing more glory, I should be, I should be operating in more grace. Death cannot hold you because one, you are born again. That's most important. You have access to the Spirit of God and you have access to the Word of God. This morning, the Word of God has come to us. So I want you to open up your heart. And I'm going to say this prayer, prayer of faith. The Bible says the prayer of faith offered will cause tremendous power of God to be available. So I'm going to release the Word of faith to you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I want you to think about that aspect, that aspect of your life. I want you to picture it now for a second. Hallelujah. And I'm going to pray for you. Now that you've pictured it, now that you know, now that 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 thing has come to mind, now I want you to take your mind of it and focus on the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to open up your heart to this word of God that is being released as a prayer to you. And the glory of God will be revealed. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to partake in the grace. This grace which you have given us in Christ Jesus. The scripture says that your divine power has given to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. But it comes through our knowledge of you. This morning, you have given us knowledge of you. I present everyone at the sound of my voice. Father, they took time because they know your word transformed. Because they believe in your word. So Lord, by the anointing of the word of God, my God, my God, I want you to touch your chest right now. Touch your heart right now. Oh, Spirit of the living God. Spirit of the living God. Let the anointing, the anointing that breaks the yoke. The scripture says, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. By the anointing of the Spirit of God, I command any seed of darkness. The scripture says he came that he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. He said, it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. You are descendant of Abraham because you have the faith of Abraham. And therefore, in the name of Jesus, I command those seeds of darkness to flee now. The Lord said, he said, I give you authority to trample upon snakes and scorpions, to overcome all the power of the enemy. So you seed of darkness, I command you now in the name of Jesus, every aspect of anyone of the sound of my voice that you have taken hold of, I rebuke you now in the name of Jesus. The scripture says that we overcame you by the blood of the covenant and by the word of our testimony. The word of God. The word of God. We attack you with the word of God. We rebuke you now in the name of Jesus. Away from that aspect of your life right now in the name of Jesus. You don't have any permission anymore. I rebuke you now in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, great mighty Holy Spirit. I thank you for your manifestation. I thank you for your glory. In the name of Jesus, that you have divided for them according to their needs. That that yoke has been broken now in the name of Jesus. If it was a yoke of sickness, it has been broken by the anointing of the word, by the demonstration of the spirit. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you. Father, I bless you. 
Oh, Father, I honor you in this place. I thank you that you glorify the name of our Lord Jesus. In this place, we thank you for your word that has been demonstrated in all power and authority. In the name of Jesus. That everyone knows that indeed you are the same yesterday and today and forevermore. And by your spirit that we speak, that we have not spoken out of our own mind, not of our own understanding, but by the revelation of the spirit of God, by the authority given us in Christ Jesus. Father, be glorified. Be exalted above all in the name of Jesus. Oh, just as I have always said, that when the word comes to you and you hold fast to it, you will see my glory just as I demonstrated in creation. You will see the light. You will see the light. It will not fail because my word never fails. My word never fails. This is what the Spirit is making known to us this morning. Father, we thank you. We glorify you. Oh, that you've shown yourself great this morning. Oh, that you revealed yourself unto us. Oh, be blessed. Oh, be blessed. Go out and live in the fullness of the glory that you have received this morning. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Father, we thank you. We thank you that you have blessed us this morning. We thank you that you have renewed our mind. We thank you that our spirit has been refreshed. We thank you that our bodies have been rekindled. We have received strength that every feeble knee has been strengthened. That every sickness has been healed. That every mind renewed in the name of Jesus. And every force of darkness has been rebuked in the name of Jesus. And glory has come to you because of this word. Thank you, Father, for your glory in this place. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen.